This is Amateur Logic, episode 180, for April 14th, 2023. Amateur Logic is brought to you by ICOM. Got cabin fever? Look no further. Spring is in the air, and ICOM has just what you're looking for. Top quality base stations, mobiles, and handhelds that are perfect for working your favorite bands inside the ham shack or venturing out. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Amateur Logic. I'm George. I'm Tommy. I'm Emil. And I'm Mike. And we've got a fun show lined up for you tonight. You know, it's springtime here in the South, and boy, it really shows in the nose (laughs) down here. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's summer up here already. Really? I'm not kidding. Like, is it up to like uh, 60? What was it? 28 Celsius today. So what's that? That's in the 80s, I think. Well, what about Kelvin? Um, (laughs) you know, I had to give the Kelvin thing up because I don't know. I I, I'm I'm thinking I was confusing people, and uh, if other people are getting confused, then probably so am I. Yeah. <laughs> the, the good thing about it, though, is nobody could really tell, you know. Yeah, well, nobody knows this if it is, was wrong. This is true. Yeah. I take it your pollen count is uh, up over there, too, George? Well, yes. I'm I'm starting to see it on the windshield of the car in the morning when I leave for work, but it's, it's not so bad. It's just um, a little bit of dew kind of washes it off the windshield. Otherwise, you wouldn't know it was there, but... Give it another couple of weeks, it'll just be yellow powder all over the place. Yeah, that's how it's been here. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I've been, well, I've had a tough week here. I spent three days at a particular transmitter site that had some really weird stuff going on. I, I Tales from the transmitter material? Uh, yes. Unfortunately, I didn't take a lot of pictures. I took a few um, so yeah, maybe that'll be in a future tells from the transmitter. Let's just say when you look up at your uh, 750 foot tower and there's some, uh, wire or cable hanging off the side of it, Uh-oh. that doesn't look like it's supposed to be there. It's not a good thing. You know? Well, that sounds to me like a peculiar, uh, transmitter site rather than a particular web or a transmitter site. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. But the uh, the guy who had to go up there and climb it started at 4.31 evening and didn't get down till 9.30 that night. Oh. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah. Um, he was. Uh, you could hear him cussing, you know, <laughs> before he got to the ground because he's around our ages and, uh, you know, um, his knees were bothering him. I, I couldn't have done it myself. 
That'd be rough holding on up there all that time. Even, even with the strap and everything, you still hold on. Oh, yeah. Uh, ho- hopefully you covered the ears of the uh, snake-killing swamp hoe. Well, we weren't in the swamp. <laughs> we were in the pasture. Okay. Uh, and I did yeah. not have enough earmuffs for all the cows. But w- Would you say you're outstanding in your field? <laughs> um, For a little while, yes. Mike. Yeah. <laughs> I've been in, I've been meaning to ask a serious question though. Like um, your your transmitter sites uh, for the guy wires, do they use actual steel cable or do they use something like Philly strand? Uh, all of our sites use steel cables except one. It's an AM site and it has Philly strand, which is sort of a black plastic looking material. It's non conductive. It works great for AMs because then you don't have to put insulators in them guy wires to break them up i'd like to have some of that cable yeah makes great knives philly strand no the, the steel cable oh the steel cable it's high carbon yeah well i mean it's it's stranded it's not like yeah you heat, you heat it and forge it together and pound oh okay it. i know what i know what emil's thinking what's going in his head right now Wait. he's thinking i wonder if i wonder if you hit philly strand if it sounds like a star wars blaster like the steel cables do. Well, you can uh, next time I go out. I mean, I won't. I won't stand under it. But if you want to cut a little piece out, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't suggest it. Anyway, uh, Mike, you had a topical topic to bring up tonight. Topical topic. I did. It's it's that time of the year again. I, I know I say that every year, but I think that's what you're getting at. Yeah. Um, uh, it's going to be uh, on Tuesday, April 18th. It's Get on the Air World Amateur Radio Day. It's a special event, and it's open, I believe, to all amateurs. And I've put the big link there in the center. Uh, you can go check it out. So if you're looking for something to do on Tuesday... Uh, you might want to consider uh, trying to uh, to get in on the action on uh, Get on the Air World Amateur Radio Day on Tuesday. Oh, awesome. You know, I may just try that myself. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like you already did. Yeah. I don't have the globes on the, on the gloves, though. But anyway, so what has everyone got tonight? I'm the slacker of the month. That means I didn't do a segment this time around. It was my turn not to do one. I got the Nano VNA out and uh, play around with some free software. It's time to revisit the Nano VNA. Last time, you remember, I mentioned I got the smaller screen trying to stay calm compliant to stay out of trouble. And I did, and it's nice. I can see it pretty good, but I thought it'd be kind of nice to see uh, the output larger on a computer. And if you wanted to send reports or pictures of your graphs and things like that, you can do so. Now, first of all, I'm going to go on here and turn off some of this because it's a little bit busy. So I'm going to turn off a few of these traces. I'm just going to leave on trace one for now. I've been in search of the ultimate Nano VNA software. So somebody told me, I think it was actually Mike, VE3MIC, mentioned Nano VNA Saver. I searched for Nano VNA Saver. So, and this is actually the first link that comes up. So I went here, downloaded it, and I had a lot of trouble. It actually took me uh, an evening 
and a half, which may be about an hour and a half, trying to get it to work. It shows up, when I plug it up to the USB port on the device, it shows up on my computer just fine, but the software would crash as soon as I tried to connect to it. It took me a long time to figure it out. I tried changing baud rates and all, everything that I could do to the COM port that showed up, and it didn't work. After a while, I finally gave up on getting it to work, and I, I reset the device, and I was able to connect. It started working just fine. So let's go ahead and look at the software. I've already downloaded it, put it on this computer, but the link for this will be in the show notes. So let's go over here, and I've got it already loaded up here. Nano VNA Saver. And let's go ahead and make it full screen so we can see good. And you can see I've already got it hooked up to my device. And the COM port shows up here, the only COM port on this computer. So let's go ahead and click Connect. Works just fine. It, the, the next thing that threw me, and I guess I should have read the manual if I could find it. I haven't even looked, honestly. Was that when I changed the sweep control settings. So I want to do uh, 2 meters on this demo. 144 megahertz and uh, 148. It never changes the range here on the bottom of the device. So the software looks pretty nice. It's got four different displays. Uh, right now I've got it set for VSWR. Uh, you can Go down here to display setup and put it on for what you want. Uh, if you want to do a phase a Smith chart on that first one on S11, so forth. So right now I've got it already set to VSWR because that's just a quick demo I want to do just to show the software. So I'm going to leave that alone. Uh, you can do some other things like you see the little dots, the points in here for when it sweeps. But you can turn that into lines if you like. Uh, show lines somewhere on here. Right there. Show lines. Change the line thickness, which that five points is way too big. I think I'll leave it like that so it makes it a little easier to see. Change the colors and so forth. So I'm going to go ahead and leave it by default here to this. We're going to need to calibrate. So let's go into calibrate. This is pretty nice. It's got a calibration assistant. Actually, before we get much farther, you can do sweep settings, and you can go down here to predefined bands. So if I go to 2 meters, which is what I wanted to sweep this time, set band sweep. I guess these must be European or something because they're not uh, the, the range for the United States here. So I'm going to go ahead and put that back manual, the 144 to 148. Okay, let's go ahead and calibrate. So we'll do calibration, calibration assistant. Help you calibrate, yada, yada, yada. I'm ready to proceed. Sure, connect to short. And I happen to have my, I call them stubs, but I think the nano VNA community calls them standards. And I'm going to go ahead and put them all out right here. So first of all, we want the short, which is the one with the pin in it. So we're going to be testing on S11 again, like last time. Now this is part that kind of messes me up, and maybe somebody can help me with that. But I've got my frequency set for 2 meters, 144 to 148. This says 50 kilohertz to 900 megahertz. But apparently, 
it ignores this and uses what's in the software. So let's go ahead and do that. I've got the short hooked up. Click OK. Now it wants to open. Done. And now it wants to load. Essentially this is just a little 50 ohm dummy load. Okay, all the steps for one point calibration are complete. And we don't, I'm not going to do anything with this one yet. I do have something planned next time I pull the Nano VNA out that should use that port. But we'll go ahead and click apply to use the one port, port calibration. So that's fine and good. Uh, let's go ahead and hook up our antenna. I'm just going to use my 2 meter antenna here. Okay, so now I'm going to click sweep. And it, do, and it does that. Again, this doesn't, this screen does not, is not right. It still says 50 kilohertz, 900 megahertz. But if we look at our software over here, it looks good. It's, I've got my two, my markers here. I've got a SWR of one, here, here, we can see it right here. The SWR, 1.391 to one. And let's slide this over some more. 146 is 1.192. The lowest I've got is 1.133 1 at 146.44 megahertz, which is which is kind of funny because I use that frequency most of all. It, it works just fine, but it doesn't show on the screen, which kind of bothers me a little bit. But it does. It, it is what it is. This was probably considered the gold standard. So I'm going to go ahead and look at the other. I was looking for the best one. When I had so much trouble getting this one to run, I also checked out Nano VNA app, which is listed right here beside Nano VNA Saver. And let's take a look at that one too. I kind of like how it looks a little bit better. I, it worked better, although it did not work uh, until I reset my device like the other one. So this one, uh, let's connect... Count three. Oh, it shows already connected. So, you, okay. So this one, the calibrations on this one is interesting. You can do none. You can use what the VNA was calibrated for or the app. So I'm going to do the app on this one. Let's uh, find out how to uh, upload firmware. Battery voltage. Cool. Haven't played around with that too much, but there's calibration. Let's uh, let's attach the short. Let's go ahead and do this again. Maybe I should have used the pigtail. It makes it a little easier to get to. Probably doesn't. The short. Done. Oh, it needs to be continuously scanning. Like that. Continuous scan. Okay. Okay, let's go back into calibration. The short is on. Okay, that's done. Let's put the open. Done. And the load. Okay, and I'm not going to worry about that, the uh, throughput yet. So let's go ahead and leave that. I want to change this 
chart to VSWR again. The graph type is going to be VSWR. So let's do that. And now we can... I'll go ahead and do continuous again. And we can see down here my range. It looks really good with the dummy load on it. So let's put the antenna back on. So we got uh, 144 up to 148 and 146. 44 is the lowest, just like the other app. But this one gives you a lot bigger picture. This one you can also save your graph if you want to. I'm going to save it to my desktop so we can take a look at it. Save. Let's go take a look. And that's what it looked like. Pretty nice. That's the latest installment in the Nano VNA uh, ongoing saga learning project. So I will continue with this on at some other point. I don't know if I'll do one every every month on it, but here and there we'll take a look at it. So if there's anything in particular you'd like to see, or if you know of some better software for this thing that I can use, let me know. Uh, be curious to hear your comments on it. 73. Yeah, the software is pretty nice, although I, honestly I probably won't use the software much. I mean, it was it was cool. I wanted to check it out. There's there's some others too. I found after I even did my segment. Um, but anyway, it's, it's pretty cool. If you want to send send a report or send a graph or something to the antenna sweep to somebody, it's nice for that. Yeah, well, and that's good for documenting too. If you want to save a snapshot of what you had mm -hmm. at a particular time, that you can right. compare it. Yeah. Later. It's, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, I had I had fits with that thing getting it to connect. I end up, like I said in the segment, I had to end up resetting it before it would connect to the USB. As soon as it, as soon as it would run, the uh, software would crash. Hmm. I had a I had a question, Tommy. The open little stub. Why would you need that as compared to just nothing? <laughs> I, honestly, you probably don't. I was wondering okay. the same thing. Yeah, I was wondering the same thing when I was doing it too. So I, one time I did it without it, and I didn't notice any difference. But okay, uh, you, it probably doesn't really matter. To be official, though, <laughs> to have an open yeah, especially screwing a cap onto it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it keeps any garbage from coming in. I guess maybe it's but it's only but, on there for about a second. It gives, you, it gives you yeah. practice for uh, threading on SMA connectors. Yeah. Muscle memory. Yeah. You have what actually qualifies tonight as an email. An email. And the sender is in the chat room. Oh. Oh, no, he's not. No, he's not. Sorry. Uh, this one is actually about batteries. There's always a lot of discussion about batteries back and forth on here. <laughs> Leaking sure batteries is. leaking. Mm -hmm. So this is from our friend Elliot uh, K1MF. You remember Elliot? He sent the tea and the coffee. Him and Robert did. Um, anyway, George and Tommy. A while back, you were discussing batteries. I just found a package of Rayovac batteries, six years old, no leaks, and still working very nicely. Using some Amazon brand batteries, no leaks, a lot cheaper. Twenty six dollars for one hundred AA batteries. The last by as long as the name brand batteries. Just passing afterthought. So I, I and uh, I, I don't know why I'm always fascinated about batteries, but I did actually mention the Railvac batteries when we first started that discussion. When you brought up the 
mm-hmm. thing. I've had really great luck out of those. You really get a charge out of batteries. I do. <laughs> I, get, I really do. <laughs> I had a, an interesting experience with bleaching batteries uh, today. I dropped I dropped my wireless mouse at work, and it popped the battery door open, and the batteries came out. And I looked at it, and it's like these batteries are leaking, and and the mouse still works. So they, obviously they still have a charge. So I threw them out, obviously, and and oh. replaced them. But uh, I was surprised to see them still working and leaking at the same time. What brand? Um, well, they're they're Procell, which I think is the industrial labeled Duracells. Um, but uh, yeah, hmm. yeah. I've had really good luck out of those Rayovac batteries. I know they didn't, when I mentioned that before, they didn't seem to uh, go over very well. But the, yeah. the blue and silver ones, every they have always have a big sale at Christmas. Big giant bundle of those things for like 20 bucks, And I usually load up on enough for yeah. the year. I've just been going with the EverReady Energizer Maxes here lately. Yeah, yeah I've, had, I've had some of those, the EverReady's leak. Mine, the that- silver ones. I haven't had near as many of those leaks as I had deer cells. Yeah, I don't even. I won't even buy the deer cells no. anymore. Me neither. Up, up here, our dollar stores uh, handle uh, Panasonic batteries, Panasonic alkalines, mm-hmm. and um, I don't think I've ever had one that leaked. And I, I've been using them for years. I haven't used the Panasonic batteries in probably twenty-five years, but when I was using them, they were they were very good. I liked them a lot, and they seemed to last real well. I have an email here. No, say it's not Look at so. It. From someone who is actually in the chat room tonight. Not, hmm. Who might it be? Well, this might be Nigel. It might, might be him. Huh? It could be him. He said, Hello, George. I have nothing to do with Radio Rally Hamfest. Only a paying punter. I'm not sure. He, he's talking in code. Or in, in uh, British English. <laughs> so, um, Anyway, please kindly give a mention to it. Um, it'd be a lot quicker if he could get there with the speedboat across the Morecambi. Is that how you pronounce that? Bay? Uh, that's yeah. That's how we pronounce it. I'm sure it's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But he thinks he gets seasick very quickly, so um, he doesn't want to do that. Anyway, what he is talking about is this right here, and this is the Narsa.org is where you can find it. Narsa.org.uk radio rally. Northern Amateur Radio Society's Association. Yeah, Sunday, April 23rd. Doors open at 10.30 a.m. And Nigel and the lady Julia will be there. Cool. And you can also track him via APRS.FI. Track his British call sign GM0MEJ-10. So track Nigel on that speedboat. If he doesn't get seasick. Otherwise, show up at the radio rally and uh, shake his hand. Punter. Yep. I'm assuming that means he's uh, just a paying attendant to Hamfest. Yeah, just like most rally. of us. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. 
Never heard that uh, called that punter. I'm assuming that's right. I'm sure he'll let us know. Yeah. I don't cool. think it means the same thing over here. Because when someone tells you to go punt, that's not a compliment. <laughs> well, it depends on if you're playing football or not. <laughs> well, I suppose. Yeah. Then you get into the whole argument, whole deal about what's football. It, I was going to yeah. say the same thing, Tommy. You yeah. don't want to go there. Yeah. <laughs> Got cabin fever? Look no further. Spring is in the air, and ICOM has just what you're looking for. Top quality base stations, mobiles, and handhelds that are perfect for working your favorite bands inside the ham shack or venturing out. Want to catch a sneak peek at the upcoming ICOM IC905 SHF release? From May 19th through May 21st, hams can find ICOM at booth 2608 in Building 2 at this year's Dayton Hamvention in Xenia, Ohio. Hope to see you there. ICOM's newest FM transceiver is the ICV3500, and it's ready to hit the road whenever you are. With a compact body and simple interface, this radio is a must for those looking for a long-range mobile with a fresh look. Go further with 65 watts output and get louder with 4.5 watts of audio with the ICV3500. The rugged ICOM ICT-10 portable meets or exceeds standard military testing. With an IP67 waterproof rating, the ICT-10 can withstand any field activities ahead. Hear any transmission and listen to FM broadcast with a loud 1500 milliwatt speaker. The ICT-10 is an excellent choice for any bug out bag. The IC7300 is a high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design that will far exceed your expectations. This innovative HF transceiver digitizes RF before various stages, reducing inherent noise in different IF stages. With RF direct sampling, the IC7300 changes the way entry-level HF is designed. The IC705 is a perfect sidekick and QRP companion. Base station features and functionalities at the tips of your fingers in a portable package covering HF, 6 meters, 2 meters, and 70 centimeters. This compact rig weighs just under 2 pounds with RF direct sampling for most of the HF band and IF sampling for frequencies above 25 megahertz. The perfect accessory for the IC705 is the optional backpack LC192 with a special compartment for your IC705 and room for accessories. The ID52A is a VHF-UHF dual bounder with D-Star and FM dual mode functions and is the first handheld amateur radio with a full-color 2.3-inch waterfall display. This radio supports conventional FM communications and D-Star simplex, repeater, regional, and worldwide calls over the D-Star Internet Gateway. Send photos over D-Star with a connected Android device. The ID52A is a perfect companion to the IC705. Both use compatible batteries and headsets, and you can also use the same Android app for D-Star operation. Learn more about these and all the great ICOM radios at icomamerica.com slash amateur. Well, Mike. Yes. I know you have, um, your segment tonight, the best I can tell, is is really going to measure up. Well, I I can summarize it as this, my my segment from hell. (laughs) 
um, I go through the trials and tribulations of building this antenna and uh, trying to catch some satellites at the same time. Well, not at the same time, afterwards. Dual Band Satellite Yagi Part 2 Last time I showed you how to build M1GEO's modified dual band satellite Yagi. The design is basically a 2 meter Moxon with a multi-element 70 centimeter Yagi beam antenna. But there's a problem, and we'll get to that, but first I need to clarify a few things. I neglected to mention a couple of things, namely the spacing of the element gaps. There is a 15 millimeter gap between the two halves of the Moxon and a 5 millimeter gap at the dipole driven element feed point. Houston, we have a problem. If you do the math, we need a thousand millimeters for one side of the two meter Moxon. My aluminum TIG rods are only 914.4 millimeters, so we'll need a way to extend. Because welding aluminum is out of the question for me, and soldering aluminum is tricky at the least, I decided that the best solution is to use some kind of crimp-on connector. I settled on 12 to 10 AWG butt connectors. I needed to add 42.8 millimeters to each side of the moxon. Another thing that I need to clarify is the attachment of the feed line to the driven element which is done by first tinning the center conductor and the shield of the coax and wrapping them around the driven element at the feed point as shown here. And lastly, securing them with clamps. This is for mechanical purposes only and need not be conductive. Note the RG213 coaxial cable, which feeds through the inside of the PVC boom. The other end of the coax is terminated at the end of the boom with a BNC connector. Here is the finished dual band satellite Yagi mounted to a tripod using a 3D printed adapter with a quarter 20 thread facing a southwest window. Now that we have our antenna, let's find some satellites in orbit to track. I've been using the easy to use and free GPredict Windows application from OZ9AEC. This page describes the program features. You can download a pre-built Windows GPredict application from the GitHub page here. Typically the zip file will save to your downloads folder. Simply unzip the zip file contents and run gpredict.exe. No Windows installation is required. After gpredict is started, we'll need to set up a few things first. Under the File menu, select Preferences. Now set the following parameters to your liking. Next, click on the Ground Stations tab and click Add New. Enter your ground station coordinates and click OK when finished. Most users will not need to add or make changes here. Lastly, it is important to keep the satellite data up to date. 
This step should be done at least weekly. My G-Predict setup is configured for active amateur satellites only. If you do not filter the satellites that you wish to view, the screen becomes too busy to be useful. The list at the bottom shows the satellites that you are tracking. Right-clicking on a satellite name will present you with more information options, such as next pass, transponders, etc. The panel on the right side of the screen with the target indicates an overhead view and a path track will appear whenever a satellite is visible. And about eight seconds to go before we reach target range. And uh, we're going to be monitoring uh, 435 megahertz point 91. There we go. You can see on the on the right hand side of the screen, uh, this uh, uh, pass is going to come in pretty close proximity. So I know um, when I looked at the uh, AMSAT uh, uh, site earlier on, um, there wasn't a lot of. Uh, uh, I think there was only one station that detected the uh, transponder. Uh, being active, so we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Um, anyway, as I was saying, uh, UHF 435.91 megahertz, and uh, this is a dig digitalker, um, a repeating message, uh, just on plain old FM. So I thought that would be a good place to start. Um, there are linear transponders on this uh, bird as well. And um, you can see the uh, the uplink and download frequencies, um, and the uh, mode is uh, upper sideband. But uh, for simplicity, uh, we're going to start out easy and, and just listen for FM. And uh, let's see what we can find. Well, no luck this time. I listened for several passes, but didn't catch any activity from the satellites or the ISS. Better luck next time. Thanks to M1GEO, G8OCV, LY3LP, and OZ9AEC for the excellent GPredict software. Until next time, 7-3 from Mike, VE3MIC. How many satellites could you catch with that? Um, well, there's actually, what did, what did I count on there? There's five or six active um amateur satellites uh, that that uh, have regular orbits uh, overhead and uh, those were the ones that I was interested in and also I had to be fairly selective because I only was using a dual band HT so I was limited to uh, uh, satellite birds having an FM transponder on them a lot of them have um, linear transponders using a single sideband. Some of them are actually digital data telemetry, um, but uh, I wanted to, to keep it simple for the first couple. I really need to do, uh, I haven't done very much satellite work, obviously, but um, uh, I think down the road, uh, I'm going to have to do uh, more segments on, on satellites because there's a whole whole whack of stuff that you need to know and and uh, there's a whole range of things that uh, you can go uh, hunting for yeah yeah you're, you're right i've actually got a note in my uh possible segment list on satellite stuff but that's uh that's a pretty uh pretty big topic that's out there <laughs>
<laughs> you were on it you can, tonight, You can man. see behind me here. I, I, you can't really see. You can just see the corner of the low. Yeah, it almost looks like orbit. a hug shot. Yeah. With um, those lines. You're six one. It gives you some idea about the orbits. And um, just just for some some scale, the International State Space Station is, is traveling about 17,000 miles per hour. So... Um, you haven't got much of a of a window uh, to 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 uh, to use them. Like some of them actually have repeaters, mm-hmm. so you can communicate with other other stations on the Earth. Um, other ones uh, send just uh, telemetry data. Uh, the International Space Station has uh, digital TV, although I I don't think that transponder is working right now. The last I heard, um, and of course uh, they run regular uh, QSOs. Um, with uh, ground stations, uh, and sometimes they use, uh, I think they call them telebridges, where they use an amateur uh, control op if they want to um, get a Q&A session going with uh, students in schools. Um, it's part of the ARIS, A-A-R, or, yeah, A-R-I-I-S, Amateur Radio on board the uh, International Space Station. Uh, there's a lot of those sessions that go on, but uh, unfortunately, when I was listening, I didn't hear anything from the IIS or or those two birds I was I was looking for. Hmm. Yeah, I I haven't worked satellites in decades, but it's, it used to be fun. What what we have maybe a seven minute window is that? Yeah, depending, well, seven depends to on 10. which ones and, yeah. how, and the angle. But I, I think I've had the best luck out of a homemade quarter wave ground plane. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, you want um, um, an antenna that doesn't have a lot of gain because the way you get gain is by directing most of your signal towards the horizon, and um, y- you don't want that. So I think a, I think originally, um, at least when I first started reading about it, uh, one of the best antennas to use was a turnstile, and that would be similar to uh, to use, using a quarter-wave ground plane antenna. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, you've got various uh, polarizations, but um, a friend of mine uh, reminded me a lot of these satellites, when they're in orbit, they're tumbling anyway, so they're not necessarily just going to have a straight polarization, whether it be vertical or horizontal. And a lot of them are using circular right-hand or left-hand polarization anyway. Yeah. That was, Marty said, nine minutes. So you got nine minutes. Yeah, yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Yes, it depends on the path too. Yeah, the angle. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, cool. But I know the window's uh, pretty small. You haven't got a lot of a, a lot of room to get ready. Well, you have a lot of waiting in between. But uh, uh, once yeah. uh, once yeah, a bird sure. is in uh, in in view, um, you haven't got much time to uh, to deal with it. Yeah, when it's showtime, you got to go. Yep. Yeah. No encores. No. No bloopers. I have in my hand an actual email here myself tonight. An- another? Another one? Another one, yes. This one's a little bit longer, but it's on a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Do you remember a few, a couple episodes back when I did that uh, USB-controlled relay? Yes. Well, I got a number of replies to that, and some people have wanted more info and are building them. It's uh, not surprising. It was pretty cool. This email came from uh, my friend, Bill 
I'm going to butcher his last name, Sepulveda, K5LN. He, back in the early days of the Ham Nation after-show nets that we had, he was one of the net controls. Okay. Now, I knew that call sign yeah. was familiar. Uh, I don't think he's doing that anymore, but, uh, you know, that's that's how we met him. And uh real sharp guy. Well, he's writing because he saw the amateur logic where it talked about the USB-controlled relays using a small relay board being driven by a controller and some small software GUI in the computer to control the power to the radio or or whatever you wanted to control with it. Um, and two things he wanted to mention, and as a matter of fact, to, to learn more about what he's going to talk about here and a lot of other great information, uh, just go to QRZ and look up K5LN, and you'll, you'll find more information there. Uh, this, he sent it to me as a PDF, but it's on his QRZ page. He came up with some relays by a company called CASA. This is actually one right here. I, I've had some of these for several years, mm. and I use some. As a matter of fact, uh, I've got one on this little fan that I forgot to turn on under the table before we sat down to do the show tonight <laughs> because it gets so hot in here with no air conditioning while we're shooting. But basically, it's a Wi-Fi-controlled relay in here, and it's got a push button where you could manually turn it on and off. I have put these at some of my transmitter sites, and I don't actually use it, the the relay on it. I just want some way I can grab my phone and just check and see if the Internet's working at the site. Oh. And if this shows up in the list and I can turn it on and off, then I know that that's working. But anyway, he came up with a project using these. He used two of these to control the main power to his station through the phone app. He used it to remotely turn on and off and disconnect the house ground AC common line and the AC hotline from the equipment because it's a possibility, you know, you could get some surges back in a USB port. And I've heard of people having problems with that before when they get a lightning strike. Doing it this way, you're removing the ground potential to the radio equipment during a thunder and lightning storm. He also designed, and this is cool, and you probably want to see this uh, when you get a few moments, about 30 minutes I think it'll take, a complete station controller for a good ham friend of his using a small relay-like devices that are in this box. He used four small relay boards but you could go with a larger configuration to control six radios, 12 different antennas, and two receiving arrays, switching between stereo speakers, a CW resonance speaker, stereo headphones, and connecting all these devices to the radios when the radio is selected and turned on through a GUI. Some friends of his made a video of it. The link showing right here, or you can search on YouTube for W9BF. It's about 30 minutes, but it shows what can be done with these inexpensive relay boards and how to make a difficult station setup easy to operate through the click of a mouse. Congratulations on a show continuing for a very long time. 
You're still looking young. Keep taking whatever you're taking. Well, I don't know that I can agree with that last part there. But um, uh, thanks for the compliments and for the tips there, Bill. That was a very nice-looking project he did. I mean, the stenciling on the cabinet, yeah, everything. Yeah, it's very neat. It looks no, no wasted real estate there in that cabinet. No. But... Speaking on that topic, you know, I had mentioned that I was working on an updated version of that project, but I'd actually been working on it for two years, so it precedes <laughs> the the one that we showed here. I have it more or less stable now, and we'll be we'll, we'll look at it in, I don't know, a month or two here. Maybe we'll bring it out and show it to you, but I've got a relay board that has eight relays on it, I'm currently, and it can use different microcontrollers, I'm using a Raspberry Pi Pico W, you know, what, five bucks, mm-hmm. something yep. around that, along with the uh, eight relay board. You control it over Wi-Fi. I can turn on and off eight different things from it. And the whole project, I hadn't really put pencil to it, but, you know, you're probably talking somewhere around 20 bucks. And works over Wi-Fi, so uh, that's comp compliant for sure. Oh yeah, I think so. Wow, everybody's pretty much hitting that comp compliant button tonight, aren't they, Emil? <laughs> yes, they are. Well, I'm I'm holding this for a future cheap old episode. Emil's starting to get nervous. I think. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's sweating there. You can tell it. The wallet. It's I wonder, coming. I wonder Wallets. if I should get my calculator app handy yeah ready because i think you I should i think we're going to be dealing with a lot of uh, a lot of zeros well before we do that i have one more cheap let me say even free thing that you can do at the end of each month it's amateur logics ham college the new show for those new to the hobby and those wanting to get into amateur radio which of the following is a purpose of the amateur radio service as stated in the fcc rules and regulations that inductor and capacitor form a tuned circuit that's how you tune the radio to the frequency that you want the english language we lived in town i liked it i, I listened to mine a lot it was really cool because you didn't have to have a battery to power yeah. there's our homemade telegraph station we can use it for long distance communications oh like uh, what three feet yeah, here. across the table the answer is b voltage was named after italian physicist alessandro volta we can see we're generating a little bit of electricity there it's dc it's always great to go back and get a refresher it sure is. A lot of that stuff, if you've been a ham for a while like we have, you, you don't really think about a lot of that stuff that often. They didn't have electric screwdrivers in those days, so that's why we're not using ones. That's why we went structures. primitive with it. Yeah. So let's see if we can hear anything when we, uh, we fire off our spark gap transmitter. Well, we didn't build anything or blow up anything today, but um, the night's still young. I laugh at that every time. <laughs> yep. But it's true. It is true. <laughs> <laughs> there could be smoke coming out of something around here any time now. It's happened. You remember that time when the smoke came out of something in here? Never figured it out. Never figured out where it came from. But it was in here. Yeah, oh, yeah. It escaped out of something. It was like 
somebody took a, a handful of electronic components and and just threw them in a fire. I mean, it was stout in here. Yeah. But uh, it, yeah, after a week or so, it went away. I never could find it. I'm thinking it was probably an MOV and a power strip. And everything's here. still working. Yeah. Nothing quit. Nothing burned down. The night's still young, though. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Email. George. I, I can't hide anymore. No. Here, let me get <laughs> it's my... time uh, to come clean, brother. Let me get my oh, pen and, and paper out here. You're going to need a bigger piece of paper than that. Yeah. You want to set I, this one up? Yeah, I feel like an evangelist, you know. I have sinned. <laughs> I um so I, well I guess the biggest thing to say here is I got tired of carrying 17 bags to field days uh for me and Glenn and all the crew that gets together here with the W5SLA clubs and decided to uh jump right into uh the cheap old go box Hello, George, Tommy, Mike, Amateur Logic TV viewers. I decided to make me a go box for field day events, whether it's winter or ARRL field day in the summer, or any event where I might want to operate out in the field somewhere affordable, whether it's for that event or possibly using or having something for deployment if I need it, like my uh, RMS packet gateway or other gateways for the Winlink system. So I decided to make me a box that will accommodate the, the system that Glenn and I, KG5CN, have been using for winter field, field day primarily and sometimes ARRL field day. So that had several challenges to it like power distribution and power out to my remote tuner from the box, the box's ability to operate from AC mains power or a battery, and then having the ability to charge that battery via other means like solar. So I decided to set out first to design how I think things are going to work in this box. So the first thing I did was decided to use one of uh, Gator uh, 4U uh, Gator Box 4U Pro 19 inch rack mount type box. Here, what you're looking at is me figuring out where I was going to place parts. There's a bottom shelf, it's a 1U shelf where parts sit on top of that. So the power supply and the radio are sitting on top of that. And I did some basic bulkhead covers, 1U bulkhead covers, so that I could put mount things on it, uh, whether it's meters, USB jacks, or RF connectors through the bulkhead or power connect. There's one mounted at the rear at the bottom and one mounted at the top above the radio and power supply faces. So this shelf here shows the radio, of course, and the power supply and what's coming out of that connector wire. The top shelf is on uh, where the power distribution. Now it's also a 1U shelf that's mounted at the top of the box and the devices are bolted to it and they are basically hanging off the top of the box or bolted to that one you hanging down. Uh, so you don't really see them. But they're up there. There's a West Mountain Radio Epic power gate that takes power in from a battery or a power supply, both 12 volts in. It also takes 
power in from solar panels. It auto switches between the power supply or, or the battery sources. And if they're all plugged in, then the solar panel is charging the battery. Now I've tested that many a times with this box and it just seamlessly switches between the power supply and the battery. The radio doesn't miss a beat. You could literally just unplug it from the wall, the power, the AC power supply that's feeding DC and it won't miss a beat to switch over to that battery. So it works really well, it has for me. Uh, also in the top shelf is the West Mountain Radio 4005H. It's a DC distribution or rig runner the H is for horizontal. The Anderson power pole connectors are mounted horizontally on the sides. So the, it makes the wires run pretty easily from that box, even with the shelf. Also on the top shelf is a MFJ's bias T because I don't, if you remember, I have a remote tuner out at the base of the portable HF antenna that Glenn and I use for uh, the field days. So that bias T is also going to be feeding 12 volts via the coax out on the HF side. I had to mount that up at the top as well and, and uh, get some jumpers in there. You'll see all that a little bit later. At the front of the uh, box, there's a light that uh, clips on to the top of the box. It's actually a little music stand light for people reading music at night. They're adjustable, so there's two of them, and, you, and it runs off the USB jack and voltmeter that's drilled through the bulkhead at the top of the case. Uh, I spent some time just designing where I want the wires to go and how I want them to route and where the pieces parts were going to be. One of the reasons I did that was so that, for instance, the fuses that are in this 4005 rig runner are easily reachable from the back right above the radio on the bottom shelf. So I can get to any of these fuses if something goes awry and uh, replace what I need to. With that said, let's take a little closer look at the box and what it looks like without and with the pieces as I progress through. Oh, I started off by actually procuring the equipment and stored it on my uh, dining table, which my wife loves, by the way. Then I took over the kitchen table, which my wife also loves, and uh, started out gathering up some of the tools I needed for the job at hand and just taking a look around the box itself. As you can see here, it's a 4U 19-inch rack mount box with really good room on the inside. Uh, especially on the top and bottoms where you need a little bit of room for things, pretty much things, uh, space enough to make it flat within that for you structure. Um, there's also some nice rounded surfaces, uh, smooth surfaces on the inside. And you'll see why that's important later with some uh, command strip type uh, wire routing pieces that I found. So then I started getting all the pieces parts, whether it's patch cables, bulkhead connectors, the uh, power gate and bias T, external speakers, power supply, USB ports, lights, power poles, some cable that I had to put it all together. Uh, I, ha I did have to buy... A mount the uh, mobile mount for my rig here that I'm using uh, don't worry my ICOM rig is safe and sound in the shack my uh, prize possession over there I, I decided to use this one in the field for this project so after mounting those devices onto that one U shelf for the bottom I just decided to make sure they were squared up and looking right and actually watching mainly for the clearances coming out of the front of the box to make sure they'll close the, the front clamps on and uh, has pretty good locks or, or latches that really hold it tight from weather. So you just got to make sure that the knobs here are all clear, nothing sticking way out far so that it's going to hit up against that box. And speaking of those cords, I decided to pick up 
command strips here that will hold the wires into place. It's actually LAN cable, but I wanted something a little bit bigger than just normal uh, loop or twist tie or wire tie just to hold things on. And I, and I surrounded the inside of the box with them at the bottoms, the top on the inside and middle, uh, making sure that nothing was hitting them so that the wires can go around everything. Here you can see how I did that under one of those 1U bulkheads I, I just put. So these are very easy to, you just pull them forward and you put all the wires through and then you push it, pull it back and it just latches in there. Very easy to use and, and they hold, they're pretty strong, especially with coax and 10 gauge 40 amp DC power cables pulling on them. They just work for me. Here's the same mounted on the sides, one on the top and one on the bottom, or actually both of them are kind of in the middle so that the wires can go around the side, put them inside that just to keep them up. Here you can see the cable that the power supply feeds or will be feeding up to the top shelf. So here I, you can see I, I screwed in the bottom shelf just to make sure nothing was off kilter or you know things are squared up. And the knobs do stick out the front of the actual 19 inch rack, but that's okay as long as they don't hit front of the case when it's closed. That's what I was looking for. In fact, I want those knobs to be out a little bit so that I, you know you can operate. I took some time to line all of that up. Here you can see the USB uh, cable coming out of the back for the computer because I plan on sitting the computer uh, for digital operations right on top of it. I'm using the built-in sound card, cat control interface, and then there's the uh, external speaker. Now I, I wanted that external speaker, literally external, <laughs> outside of the box either. I'm not gonna mount it inside the box. I want that to go where I can put it somewhere outside. Whether that's for someone else who wants to hear around me, maybe we do in the parks on the air or something, or if I have headphones on too, you know, I probably won't even use it. I definitely wanted that external speaker to be external. Here's some of the wiring starting and for the RF side, the bulkhead connectors there. I used some uh, short jumpers on the inside of the box and bent the wires around and routed them how I wanted it, which worked out really good. And you can see everything's plugged in there to the radio itself, the VHF, UHF, HF, and also the USB connectors and the external speaker. All of it fits nicely. Power coming from the AC to the uh, power supply. And that's the actual radio DC cord right there, which I put actually in the middle of the two between the power supply eventually. But this is me just getting it worked out, if you will. And those antennas are inside. One of them is an HF 20 meter uh, hamstick and the other one is a um, or dual band mobile mag mount. Also, this is the lights that I got. Uh, these are them working off of batteries. They, they either work off of AAA batteries. It's a music stand light for musicians, you know, using this uh, stuff at nighttime or in a dark scenario. They work off a battery or USB and you'll see it coming off that USB port. But the, here you can start to see some of the uh, devices that are mounted at the top. If you look inside the case there, there's the uh, power gate along with the bias T from MFJ. Just another view of the light and the external speaker and the meter at the bulkhead meter at the top, which I hadn't hooked up yet to power. So speaking of the power, this is the uh, West Mountain Radio power gate, which will switch seamlessly between a power supply and a battery uh, DC, both DC source. And it does so very well, if I may say. It'll also take a, um, a solar panel in. It's an epic power gate is the model. But again, this was just me testing once I had one of the uh, devices in to make sure things were working. So after that, I, I took in 
and got the power gate along with the bias T in the middle and then the rig runner, the 4005H rig runner. And you can see the horizontally mounted Anderson power poles on that device, which is nice because then the wires are coming out. There's lots of room for these wires. Some of them are pretty big, 10 gauge, 12 gauge wires coming in to those poles connect. And the DCN is rated at 40, you know, it's different size fuses. 25, 25, 10, 5, and 1 for the different devices that are in this box. Uh, one of the things I had to do was set the jumpers for the right chemistry here. The chemistry on the battery is uh, lithium iron phosphate, or it will be. I don't have that piece yet, but it's coming. So I had to change these jumpers over to the right chemistry. And basically, this jumper here had to go to the bottom one for lithium types and then you set how much amperage you want it to provide so you take that box apart you set that jumper then you run with it so then i uh, set out to position them right and start populating and making the cables i custom made these cables using the crimper kit and the anderson power pole so you're coming out from this device right because that has to handle this is 10 gauge wire it has to handle all of the uh output from whatever's feeding it, whether it's the DC from the AC power supply or the battery that, that has to handle that whole current that's going to feed everything. So it's the biggest wire just populating more and more. As I go here, you can see the, um, bias T has its own voltage. I made that cable custom using the right size connectors. If you've ever put on those connectors, you know, it, it can get tedious. Once you figure out the orientation of the little connectors that cr uh, push into these Anderson power poles, how they're oriented. <laughs> Once you've done a few, you'll know. <laughs> and there's different sizes for the different size wires. So you can see the differences here from that to this, pretty substantial differences. So it, it takes a little bit of getting used to to make those connectors. But I custom made all of these cables because I didn't want stuff just flying around, hanging around. So then I put it basically together in the box. I don't have the wires nice and neat at the moment, but I did hook up the uh, DC voltmeter there you see to the right try to keep the uh operations 13.8 uh volts there and the lights you can see i turned off all the lights see how much room i mean light that gives you to be able to log and right in front of the station and there's a little bit closer look that's a uh, standard qc 3.0 charging jack actually i've got it running the lights right now and of course the voltmeter itself and then this is a c type c quick charging jack and i'm going to use that for my phone believe it or not now nah, we might not have a working phones but it's there if i need something that takes USB-C. it's just a different view of it here uh with the mic the uh, external speaker on top of the box and the <laughs> the mess of tools that i had on the table which again my wife really loves that on the back i uh, mounted at the bottom bulkhead the inputs for the power gate whether it's going to be sourced from a solar panel or from the battery itself. So I can run all of that into the back of this panel here and it goes up to that epic power gate. So everything's gonna be uh, accessible through these back bulkhead panels. I had some fun drilling those out and making these connectors fit nice. Get to buy, it's always fun when you get to buy more tools for the, for a job, which it, again, my, my wife really loves that. So there it is with the uh, closed because everything is kind of weatherproofed. I mean, the, the back would actually be closed here in this case, but and whoever said wireless is wireless is nuts because it's not. I mean, sure, the RF is when it hits the atmosphere and we're using the atmosphere, but the rest of it is not wireless. So anyway, it's always good to test things out as you're going, right? So I did a little bit of that too. Let's take a look. Echo, Zulu, Quebec. This is Kilo 
Kilo Alpha 5, Echo Zulu Quebec, Rick and Beltrade, Region 1. KA5 EZQ. Mr. Rick, good evening to you, sir. And of course, you sounded clean as usual uh, here on the repeater. And we certainly appreciate you being here. Next on the list. There was something missing at the end of that segment, the wasn't it? The ching sound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the cash register oh, noise. There was there were several cha ching moments in the yeah. making yeah. of that, but it wasn't the great kind. Yeah. So well, what, which battery did you order? All I heard was the dog drinking because he was probably salivating over the cost of that thing. I didn't yet, Tommy. I'm oh, still oh, debating whether I want to make one like what you showed us to do. Or get one. Okay. And but I know it's going to be a hundred amp hour, whatever it is, uh, lithium. Uh, the experience of making one is is actually it was it was very enjoyable. I want I want to make another one just for fun, to be honest with you. But, yeah. But so I don't know which one I'm going to go with yet, or if I'm going to make it myself. But that's the next uh, step, and then I'll probably do another video with uh, all of the antennas hooked to it as well, and then having it out in the middle of nowhere would be the ultimate one, Yeah, the next steps. That was a, a good very, segment. Very nice job. Oh, really yeah. cool looking. Yeah. yeah, it looks great. Yeah. And it, the presentation flowed, man. I mean, it it didn't sound like you were from the south at all there. It was just like <laughs> bam, bam, bam. I, yeah, that that took an extreme amount of editing. <laughs> I know. That's, that's, that's what I was telling Tommy. It's you know kind of the way mine are. I, lots of editing, but hey, a few seconds here, a few seconds there, it all. Yeah, I think we all, all do helps. that. I do it some yeah. too. Well, well, y'all know just from seeing our winter field day, Glenn and I have a working multi-year working station that just does everything we want it to do so mm -hmm. between the mfj uh mass and the antennas and the um the things we're going to put out this is going to make it so much easier for me to deploy that what i want to do i i heard you say that and yeah i i can see that and it's good good point and you can probably probably justify it just on those means right there, but it brought back to me uh, a memory of, uh, well, a piece of gear I've got in the house in there. It's a rack. It's about this tall. I've got two or three of those about that size, but I've got um, a couple of older, a pair of them, 800-watt Alltech stereo amplifiers. Okay. All right. So they're like a PVCS 800 about that size of amplifier, and I mounted them in one of those racks there and put the crossover in there with them because it's using subwoofers. This was to take out, you know, to play with. Nice, man. Everything in there, all the cables and everything done right, but it was so doggone heavy I can't pick it up and put it in the back <laughs> of a pickup. So, But you wouldn't have that problem with what you had there. No, no, it's not. It doesn't have the transformers that the amps you're talking about have in them, right? The heaviest thing is going to be that radio, probably. Yeah. And uh, so I'm going to keep the battery separate from it too. But you yeah. know, the LifePo four batteries are getting lighter. Yeah, and they last bad. way more uh, than the uh, lead acid equivalents. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I'll yeah. probably have a separate box for that. And, you know, two boxes and a dolly and I'm up rather than before. Twenty seven bags. Well, <laughs> and I, I heard that point, too. And that rung a bell with me right there, because when Tommy and I go out to do field day, I mean, I got like crates of stuff I'm, you know, oh, yeah. putting in it's... the back of the truck and, and then trying to find the right cable for this or the right cable for that. So it's good. It's a good idea. Going to have it ready for field day? Uh, absolutely. It's already working. I just have to uh, tidy up some and of the things inside of it. Well, That's I guess right. you don't have to have the battery for it for field day. Right. I want to, though. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, we can. We usually bring a generator out there, but I want to see that working off that battery. Yeah. Extra points for doing battery power, too. Exactly. So, that's that's very cool. I've got a little something I picked up. I'm not going to spoil it, but it's uh, it's kind of along those lines. But it is com compliant. Mine is com compliant. <laughs> so I may I may be on my next segment. We'll see. So hey, Mel, you mentioned the uh, the blanks, the one you or the two U blank plates. One U. I've got a project coming up. And uh, I had to look all over for this thing, but uh, I, I found one that's hinged on the one side, so you can get access to it just by unbolting the, the one side, and yep. then the, the rest of it stays connected to the rack, so it swings open. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. cool. I, I thought about that and also uh, like a drawer for one of them, but they, really you can't have that on that because there's stuff hanging and and sitting on the bottoms the way I have those well, one year yeah, shows. It, it eats up a lot of real estate. I have one on my my. I'm looking at it right now. I have, um, I think it's a uh, four U uh, yeah. pull out drawer. But uh, like you said, it it eats up the full four U when you put that in there. You can't have anything hanging down. In fact, right. I don't know if you can on this one. It may even have a top on this one. I can't remember. But uh, yeah, it it eats up a lot of real estate. Yeah. yeah, some something else to say about those two, the one you blank panels. Um, I had to get some new tools, uh, like the whole auger or or I forget what they call it. Milwaukee makes them. It's got a drill bit step and then a circular. Bit. Oh yeah, it, it's not a step bit. It's actually it's, like it's a, a hole, hole a hole saw. Yeah, Green, yes. Greenlee makes them. Is that is that the one where you tighten it up with a wrench and it punches the hole, or or does it actually drill like a hole saw? Yeah, it's like a hole saw. It's made. You can buy them in all different sizes. Um, oh, it's not like the step one you're talking about. That would have worked too um, for this, but I think it's one and an eighth inch holes that the uh, most of those pieces take. The meters and the uh, power works um thing so that that was fun getting them centered and you know straight <laughs> yeah have to buy some more tools so when i realized uh-oh yep heck that's that half the fun man was this the inspiration for that or or what is this funny you might say that george <laughs> because i wasn't the only one who was thinking about go boxes here our friend in the facebook uh amateur logic forum uh, Steven Rischendurfer, KF3BH, I believe, he also had the same idea, and there was some inspiration here. That that power jack on the bottom there to the right, uh, the 12 volts in, is exactly – I got that from PowerWorks. 
And, um, you know, I had some inspiration from him here. But I think his box is a little bit bigger. This is a 6U box. And he also has a GPS antenna up there. And I asked him what was that for. And he, he, uh, he replied to me saying that's uh, one of the USB puck GPS antennas. And he says for this box, he mostly uses it for timekeeping for the computer location, you know, for APRS and WinLink. So if you remember right, Glenn and I, we use a little dongle for that, a little USB dongle to, so we can give position reports through it. So he, I like how he mounted that one, though on his through that USB uh, jack into the box. So yeah, that was some inspiration there, George. He just so happened to post this while I was building that box. You can't have everything for cheap, but you can try. That's right. With greatness comes a great price tag. (laughs) (laughs) My grandfather always used to say, if you're going to do a job, do it right the first time. Yeah. All right, I guess that's going to do it for another Amateur Logic. We're about at the bottom of the list here. Before we get out of here, any final thoughts, Tommy? I have no thoughts whatsoever. <laughs> no, I'm a little, I'm a little jealous of Emil's Go Box. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Really, yeah, really nice yeah, me too. too. You know, and field day's not that far off. Yeah, no, I've been trying to kind of prepare a little bit for that. Yeah. Uh, what I can, email. Well, final thoughts. You know, I don't know that I can live up to this today. Not today. I think you need somebody to take that cup away. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, I I broke the handle on accident, so there you go. I I mean, that's I'm keeping it cheap. Mike, what about you? Well, actually, um, I'm surprised nobody's mentioned it yet, but I will. Um, Hamvention's coming up. Yes, and uh, I'm starting to get. Preparations made. Um, I've I've secured a ticket. I've secured hotel reservations. I got approval for uh, from work for the holiday, taking those days off, those extra days. Uh, I'm going to be heading down on the uh, Thursday afternoon, so I'll be heading in there. But um, be heading out of there. It looks like on on Saturday late afternoon. So would you call this preparation H? I knew that <laughs> was that- coming. Yeah, I set it up, man. I, I knew, you know. I knew that was coming. I was just sitting here waiting for it. Yeah. George is on a roll tonight, man. I mean, it's it's the tea, man. That was um, a lot of caffeine in that. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to Hamvention this year too. I'll uh, I'll actually be rolling in on Wednesday, sometime during the day, Wednesday, and then. Uh, doing the live streaming of Contest University on Thursday. And then I will be hanging with Mike and whoever shows up at Hamvention. Chip's Chip's got his ticket. Chip Chip will be there. So uh, I know where Chip's staying, and uh, I haven't told him yet, but we're probably going to party all night, so might not be uh, in too good a shape on uh, on Saturday. Tommy? No, I'm just joking. You skipping this year? Probably, unfortunately. This is not still set in stone yet, but uh, probably going to skip this one. Well, and we know emails kind of. Yeah, he spent all his money on his go box. He, he <laughs> has. Yeah, it takes too long to hitchhike up there. Yeah. Between I have, that I and monopolizing the dining room and the kitchen tables, his XYL is not letting him out of the house. Yeah, I'm thinking that's how the handle got broke off of that cup. 
<laughs> yeah, it's a pretty hefty cup. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> I'm not the only one on a roll tonight. <laughs> All right, and me? What can I say? Um, yeah, I can say join us here at the end of the month. We have these uh, two scholars that will be right here on this, on this channel. And you said that with a straight face, too. For a little bit. Uh, join Professor Thomas and Dean Martin for another episode of Ham College where we're studying the amateur extra exam pool. And, boy, there's some tough ones in there. But we're doing some splaining, and sometimes that helps. Yeah, it's presented sometime. And joining us here, and I don't know, I didn't look up the dates on either one of these. The Ham College is likely April the 28th. That sounds like a plan. And sometime during May for Hamvention and for the next Amateur Logic. This coming Tuesday night, which will be April the 17th, no, 18th. The Logic Net will be at 8 p.m. Central Daylight Time, 0100 UTC, at all these fine locations listed here on your screen, unless you're listening to the audio podcast. Yeah, if you listen to the audio podcast, you may want to go to the Facebook group and look at the post. You can find those at facebook.com slash group slash amateurlogic.tv. Yeah, you can also find that information on Twitter. We, we have at amateurlogic. Flip a coin. Okay. <laughs> or there's groups.io slash G slash amateur logic. And when there's something's going on or about to happen, we usually go on there and post it. If it's related to the show, if it's related to anything else, you're on your own. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, join us sometime during the month. And I, I see Glenn's in the chat room, and he's asking about uh, the swag shop. You can go to shop.spreadshirt.com forward slash amateur logic and get all your amateur logic and ham college swag from there. We've got cups, caps, mm-hmm. shirts, and backpacks, you name it. There's all kind of stuff on there. Including this biffy one right here our model is showing right now. <laughs> Wilson slash Gilligan hat. You know, if somebody comes up wearing one of those at the next ham fest, what you gonna do, man? I hope run away. (laughs) Run away. (laughs) (laughs) A three-hour tour. Yeah, there's one other thing we wanted to mention. If you, if for some reason you happen to want, couldn't remember. When some of this foolishness took place. Or when it's supposed to take place. When it's supposed to take place. There's a good place to look that up. Or what happened on it. What ha- good at that's amateur what, Logic um, show notes wiki. It's a pretty cool guy that keeps up with that thing. It's uh, amateurlogic.tv <laughs> forward slash wiki. He's pretty modest, too, from what I understand. He's a dean. <laughs> Something. Yeah. But anyway, the uh, all the show notes go there, so links to things in the segments and all the current happenings yep. when they were current. Wiki, 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 wiki. Well, thanks for being here, everyone. We will see you next when, time. When we see you. We're watching. <laughs> 7-3. Seven, 7-3, three. Seven, three, everybody.
I'm not gonna lie. When you put that rubber glove on in here, kind of got my attention. Yeah, bend over.